This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. All right, let's bow our heads today. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for what you've already done in this service. Thank you for Pastor Sam's words of encouragement to us, the heart that you have set in place in this house. Thank you, God, because you are good. Come on now, somebody needs to say, Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm looking forward to bringing you a message today entitled Three Days in the Valley. It was not meant to be a series. Unfortunately, I have not made it past uh, the middle section in the other services, so uh, it may be an unintended uh, series uh, on geography, on geography. But um, just want to talk with you just briefly about something you may have noticed coming in this morning. You know, a few years ago now, uh, back before we had this building, if you're a guest with us today, you are in one of our three weekend experiences here at Warhill Central. We then have six other campuses, and they're having that. The same thing is happening from Florida north right now, and, and God's doing some, some really neat things. But before that ever happened, before this building ever happened, back before that building, which is now a gymnasium, was our sanctuary, there was a little bar right over here, uh, literally a bar, still had the moonshine hiding uh, contraptions in the walls, and uh, uh, we uh, were a part of worshiping in that place as it had been converted into a church. And uh, so God took a place that was destroying lives and set a precedent, and he said, I'm going to restore lives in that place. Come on, amen. And uh, But we were very small, and we were trying to figure out how to make an impact in our world. Now, and so now I'm, I'm honored to tell you that we, we made a decision then that we would be the mouse that roared. We would be the mouse that roared. And so we said, okay, now the sun never sets on our missions around the world. And I'm so thankful for that. God's done some amazing things. We were able to rescue those children in different places of the world, take care of orphanages all over the world, uh, reach out uh, and minister. Uh, we fed an, uh, literally an AIDS colony uh, as people were, you know, their, their lives were ending. We fed an AIDS colony for an entire year. We fed one million meals in Kenya one year. Amen. God's done some great things. How many of you know that God doesn't only want to move abroad, he wants to move here at home? So we started asking God, show us how to work here at home. We went to West Virginia and took care of things in the mountains. We, we've been all different kind of places. And then Katrina happened. And Katrina really changed everything for us because what we realized in that time, we responded and we had 13 truckloads of, of food supplies. How many of you were with me on that? Anybody here? A few of you, yeah. 13 truckloads of food and supplies that went down during Katrina, and we, we got there. And somebody, you need to listen to what I'm about to tell you. I, I, I sound like I'm giving an announcement, but I am, I am about to speak into your lives. This is important. We go down... We thought it'd be three to four days worth of supplies because we realized that a strategy was forming for us during that, that relief effort. 
All of the supplies had been channeled into New Orleans and nothing was left in the suburbs. So we always target the suburbs, the places others don't go. We arrived in Galeano and cut off Louisiana, and we thought we had three to four days' worth of supplies for the whole community. Within an hour and a half, they were all gone. And we, we said, we've got to keep coming. So from there, Kentucky last year, Florida multiple times, New Orleans multiple times, Baton Rouge. I mean, we've been all kinds of places reaching out. Well, what we've discovered is that we can do a certain amount of things by carrying supplies, but then there are other things that are, that are greatly needed. And so there are three things that are greatly needed. One was a, uh, is a mobile uh, a washing station, and that mobile washing station allows people the chance as their homes are gone, they're dirty, many of them have been sifting through uh, the remains, and they, they need a shower and they need to be able to wash their clothes. And so we need those. Secondly, we realized that we needed a place for emergency workers to sleep because uh, when you go in in a moment like that, the hotel rooms all go to the, to the power crews first. And, but the greatest need we found was we were trying to, to, to feed people off of grills and off of fires and, you know, cause there is no way to sustainably feed people. And, you know, you feel the pressure because this starts adding up. And we gave, a lot of people don't know that. I didn't share this with the other services. We gave so much money last year to Kentucky that it left us with a hundred thousand dollar deficit that we've had to figure out how to overcome this year. And it, 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 sometimes the pressure of that can be serious, and it hurts. So we're driving down the road, and it seems like every time we get to a campus, somebody needs something, or every one of the ministries I'll drive up to, somebody's like, i got to have this right now. And, and sometimes the pressure can be so great. And if that wasn't bad enough, God puts Jason in the car with me, and he gets a vision for these trailers. Every time we're in the trailer, he's like, Pastor, we gotta have, we gotta have those trailers. We gotta have those trailers. And, and finally, I just, I'd had, had enough. And I looked at Jason. I said, Jason, you know, I gave him the pat pastor answer. Are you ready for this? You need to pray about it. And he looked at me and said, I am praying about it. And every time he started, I'd say, he said, I'm praying about it. And then one day, not too long ago, we walked into a building. A generous foundation was there, and they looked at me, and they said, Pastor, what do you need for missions? My exact words were, you want international or domestic? They said, tell us both. I said, we need help building a home for little girls. I said, we need help feeding people in the Ukraine because we have teams. Did you know that your church is right now helping feed senior citizens in the Ukraine, helping women that have been brutalized find homes? And I said, we could desperately use your help with that. And they said, what about domestic? And you should have seen Jason's face when I said, Jason wants to tell you about that. <laughs> and he almost fell over. And then he started just pouring out his heart. And they told him about this, the washing trailer. And, and, and they listened. They told him about the, the, the rooming trailer. And they listened. But then he said, he said, we need a mobile kitchen that we can feed thousands of people from. And this foundation said, here's a check. Go get it. It gets better than that. This morning, outside, you smelled it coming in. A new mobile state-of-the-art as, as commercial kitchen on wheels that will feed 3,000 people per day, 100% paid for. Come on. Why don't you celebrate that? Now, 
Why would I share that with you during the point of the message? I share it with you because somebody needs to listen to what I'm about to say. You listen to me. God wants to make the answer to your prayers that tangible and that real. So that you can literally say it's sitting right over there. Or let me rephrase. He's sitting right over there. Your tangible prayers being answered. Because somebody said we don't know what else to do and somehow you connected with a ministry called Waypoint that messed up and told you about Jesus and you literally now are tangible prayers being answered. Your children, your sons, your daughters, your family, your home, your, your needs. Listen to me. God wants to answer your needs tangibly. But here's the problem. We can't see what God wants to do because we get lost in the geography of where we are. And too many times we allow the geography of our life to determine what we think we can do and succeed. We, we, we draw this picture metaphorically uh, of a mountaintop. And when you're on the mountaintop, everything is wonderful and everything is great. And, and every, can I tell you, if I'm on a mountaintop, everything is good because I'm glad I didn't die climbing up there. Come on, Amen. But everything's great. But then down in the valley, there's struggles and there's problems. Well, 1 Kings chapter 20, verse number 28 addresses this when he said, this is what it says. The man of God came and told the king of Israel, this is what the Lord says. Because the Armenians think the Lord uh, is a God of the hills and not a God of the valleys, I will deliver this vast army into your hands and you will know that I am the Lord. What it says is very simple, that the God that we serve is just as much God on the mountain as he is in the valley. And that's exciting. We get fired up. But to understand this story, here's what happens. The Armenians come. They, they literally, like some of those movies you've seen, there are so many soldiers and so many warriors and so many horses and so many chariots and so much of everything everywhere that they're all spread around and all they can see as far as the eye can see is the enemy about to destroy them. Listen to me. Somebody needs to realize all you can see is the devil trying to pull you under and pull, pull you down. And then God moves mightily. And they go home with the Armenians do. And the king is like, how did we lose to that little group of people? And his advisors say this to him. It's because their God is the God of the mountain. They said, go back next year on the same day with the exact same number of horses, the exact same number of chariots, the exact same number of weapons, the exact same number of footmen. Go back and you'll find this time you'll attack them in the valley. And when you attack them in the valley, you're going to find that their God was God of the mountain and not God of the valley. And God sends a word and he says, let me just go ahead and make it clear to you. They're going to realize that I'm God of the mountains and I'm God of the valley. I'm the God who can take care of you no matter where you are, no matter what your geography is. That's so important. But here's the problem. We can shout over it. Can I get an amen? amen? But we don't live like it. When we're in the valley, we're like, where are you, God? Did you forget my address? Do you remember I even exist? Because when we're in the valley, we are going through hard geography. See, I say geography because history can be interpreted. Geography is settled. It's sort of like there's one culture that has never been to war in the last many, many thousands and thousands of years. They've never been to war with each other because, and that is China and India, two of the largest populations on the planet. It would be normal that they would be warring with each other, but they've never warred because there's a geography between them called the Himalayas that 
determine the way they interact with each other. What you don't understand is what you're going through is really determining the way you're interacting with God and others. And when you're in the valley, you need to realize the valley is where we discover who we really are. Because we can all act this way when everything's good, when, when our business is succeeding, when our family's doing great, when our kid's getting the award, we all feel like a success. But when we're up there because our kid's in trouble and our business is, is, is in the red and, and, and our family's falling apart, we, 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 we don't know what to do. But the valley is where we discover who we really are. Well, that's what I'm about to say. When we're up on the mountain, we have one image of God. But in the valley is where we discover who God really is. And we don't want to go to the valley. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Spirituality is shaped more by your geography than you realize. What I mean by that is if we look at another passage of Scripture in 2 Chronicles, and, and really today, I'm only going to take us so far into this message because I realize that I want to keep all three of our services on the same track, but I realize the importance of this, and, and I've got to take you somewhere, and it's going to be a little lesson-ish for a moment, but stay with me. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 1 says this, after this, the Armenians or excuse me, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Menunites declared war on Jehoshaphat, okay? Look, we're going to come up, and why were they always fighting? Well, the reason they're always fighting is geography-based. The reason they're fighting is because what Israel is is this, this little strip, 50 by 150, and it's this little strip that connects the trade routes of the world. And whoever controls Israel controls the trade. That's why for generations, thousands and thousands of years, people have fought over that Megiddo Valley there because it's where you can get from one sea to another. It's where you can cross the trade routes. And so they're at war yet again. And then so they come out, and it's not just the Moabites. That's enough to make you scared. It's not just that. It's the, it's the Ammonites. And if that's not enough, then the Menunites are, are, are with them, and they're all saying, we're going to take you down because then we'll split up the spoil. And the messengers came, and they told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you. Notice this, from the Dead Sea. They are already at, listen to this, Hazan Tamar. Now, nobody shouts when I say that. The reality is you don't get it, that this was another name for En Gedi. And because you don't understand the geography of the moment, you're not getting what's going to happen here in this. But here's what they really say to him. They say, hey, here's where your end is. This is where you're going to go under. This is, at best, they're going to cut his eyes out and cut his tongue out. More than likely, they're going to end his life. They're going to take his family, ship them off as slaves somewhere. His whole world is about to change. And they say, hey, we want you to know your end is down at En Gedi. Now, what does that mean to any of us? Well, if you've been there, you'll understand that to get to En Gedi from where he sat in Jerusalem, you come down a hill. When you come down the hill, as you get down to the bottom of the hill, there's a crossroads there. There's a little dirt road. If you go across on the dirt road, you run right into the Jordan River, and you can literally see Jordan as you stand on one side of the river. So you can't go that way. If you go left, you go to Jericho. But if you go right, 
You're gonna, you've got about another 75 miles of Israel down through there that you're going to run down, and as you turn right, as you drive down through there, as you go, listen, to the, there's a point in the road to where you find these trees, and you're in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden there's these trees, and I always tell everybody, look at the trees. Look at the trees. And they're like, why do we need to look at the trees? I said, take a close look at the trees. And there's always somebody that, that, that doesn't really care. And they're like, I don't, I've seen enough trees. It's not like these trees. And when you look at the trees, I've never been past in Getty that the trees weren't full of goats. Let me make sure you heard that right. Goats. The trees are full of goats. The reason the trees are full of goats is because up in the trees is the only green thing in the whole area and the goats go up there to eat. So here's what I know. I do not like the day, many people love it, I'm not a beach person, please don't hold that against me, but I don't like the day we go to the Dead Sea. Do you know why? Everything's dead there. Two services my joke didn't work, but let me go on. I can't stand the Dead Sea. And so I just want that day to end. And when that day is happening, I know that I, when I've gotten to Engedi, I am 50 miles down on a 75-mile track. I've got 25 more miles. What does that have to do with us and spirituality this morning? Well, it lets me know that Israel hasn't moved. Engedi hasn't moved. Jerusalem hasn't moved. So when Jehoshaphat got the message, are you ready for this? The army that's about to kill you is in Engedi. He got a message there 50 miles away. Now, why does that matter? Because an army during the time of Jehoshaphat moved. Listen to me. This is where we're about to get. This is important. It moved at a rate of 15, 15 point something miles per day. So if I have an army that's 50 miles away from me coming to destroy me and kill me, and you tell me they are 50 miles away and they're moving at like 15.3 miles per day, how many days do I have left? Three days until I'm dead. Three days until the end. I didn't stop here in any other service, but I feel the brakes coming on for just a moment because I realize that some of you understand that because there's some kind of a geography ahead of you that you realize you're about to have to go into a meeting at work. You're about to go through a change of something in life. Something's about to happen to you that's going to change your geography and you're headed into something you don't want to head into and you're dreading what's going to happen down there. And instead of, of responding the way that you should, you're allowing your geography to say there's a problem just ahead of you and and you're already upset and you're already frustrated and you're already getting yourself built up into something that's not going to change the fact that the enemy's three days out. It's just messing you up. Oh, I feel God in what I'm trying to tell you today. And the truth is this. When you find yourself in a place you don't want to be, there's really only two ways to deal with it. First, you've got to pray your way through the valley. And second, you've got to learn to worship your way out of the valley. I don't want you to go back with me to that slide before that, Cliff, if you will, for just a second. Three days. This is important. I'm going to ruin 
part of jumping ahead of what we're going to talk about next week, but this is what's so important. See, some of you feel like when you're geography... Can I just mess right here for just a minute? Some of you are convinced that you can hold it together here. You're just not sure you could hold it together when you graduate. When your geography changes from all the safe boundaries you have in place around you. Well, instead of looking at that and saying, I'm going back into a negative geography, I'm going back into a negative location, you need to realize something. God brought you to a new location to change who you are. Your geography might not have changed, but God's been changing you. God's been doing something inside of you that's going to cause you to approach your geography in a different way. Let me tell you, I feel this this today. God's going to do something inside of you that changes the way you used to process and changes the way you deal with things now. Just because you knew, I don't know who I, 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 I feel like God's just, I feel like God's messing with my message, but it's his. You may fight every year with your family during the holidays. Guess what? God wants to change who you are. God wants you to know those days may be just ahead. You may be dealing with a struggle. But you know what? We don't know what's going to happen in the economy tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. We're all facing some geography that we're not certain of. But here's what I am certain of, that the God that I serve is still the God that is able to deliver me no matter where I find myself. He's the God who brought me this far. He's the God who can take me the rest of the way. And my geography is not going to change the fact of who God is. I mean, I've got to hurry because I'm realizing that God's doing something great and he's changing our lives and he's moving in who we are. But here's what you have to understand, that, that, that we may not like where we are. And this is where I'm going to get us to today. We may not like the geography that's ahead of us. So what do you do with it? Well, I think it's important. We're going to look at the third verse of this chapter for just a moment. Jehoshaphat was, watch this, he was terrified. How many of you are looking down on Jehoshaphat because he's afraid? I mean, where's his faith, right? Let's be honest. If somebody told you three days from now somebody's going to show up at your house, pull you out, and cut your eyes out and cut your tongue off, you're probably going to be scared too. You're going to be terrified. There's nothing wrong with him being honest about where he is. But he has to then make up his mind what he's going to do with it. And you see, fear, it, it comes, and fear doesn't come to necessarily define us, but fear comes because we realize that faith is the process of unlearning fear. And this is so important. Fear comes because of what we've already experienced in our lives. Do you realize that you were born, listen to me, this is important, you were born with two natural fears. Do you know what those are? Fear of falling and fear of loud noises. I still am afraid of both of those. Fear of falling and fear of loud noises. Do you know you were not? How many of you think you were born with a fear of spiders? Anybody? That's a learned fear. You learned that. And listen to what I'm, you're going to go. I, Pastor, you got more faith than I do. If you learned it, you can unlearn it. Some of you are scared that you're not going to be able to make it through because of 
past situations in your life. But the reality is faith is going to unlock your potential and you're going to come through the geography that once set you back. And some of you are going, Pastor, I just don't know if I can believe that. Can I just tell you from my own life, there are things that I thought I could never get free from, things I thought I could never beat, but I watched God change my life. I watched God do something in my life. And now when I look back on those things, I'm not looking back at them going, how did I ever overcome that? The reality is I'm looking at it, how did I ever fall for that lie of the devil because I've seen it for what it really is now and God has exposed something in me that needed to change. This is so important. Well, Pastor, what am I going to do when I'm afraid of the geography I'm facing? But let me show you how you're going to deal with the fear. This is important. This is so important. The way that you're going to deal with the fear is by living according to the promises of God. And instead of being focused on where I am, I need to learn to focus on whose I am. And as I begin to focus on whose I am, I begin to realize that God is a good father. And he loves me. And as much as he loves me, I'm trying to learn to love him back. And why is this important? Because life tells me, don't trust God, don't trust others, give up, don't keep trying to walk. But 1 John 4.18 tells me this, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love. When I'm really in love with God the way that I'm supposed to be, I'm not going to let fear drive my life anymore. I'm not going to let anxiety cause me to do things I shouldn't do. Instead, I'm going to plant my feet and say, I know who I belong to. And though I might be on a mountain or I may be in a valley, it's not going to change the fact that my God still loves me. Listen to me. All the devil wants to do is convince you that God's forsaken you. Because that's his greatest tool. The moment you doubt his love, you'll make decisions that will cost you your life. But if you start falling in love with him, then you'll start honoring him. And when the enemy normally would trigger you into three days of depression or, or a, a crying fit or shaking of nerves or, or cause you to be mean to people that love you, when the enemy would start doing that, instead you're going to turn that trigger and you're going to cause that trigger not to cause you to, to withdraw, but it's going to cause you to engage in your faith. Philippians 4 says this to us. Philippians 4 says that what we need to learn to do is not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and with petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And notice this, and the peace of God, not maybe, not possibly. No, no, no. If I learn to pray instead of running, if I learn to pray instead of fighting, if I learn to pray instead of letting myself end up in a fetal position crying, nobody loves me, nobody cares. If I learn to talk to the one who loved me enough that he sent his son to die for me, when I learn to do that, what happens, he says, then you're going to realize something that as you start triggering prayer in your life before long something's going to happen peace is going to unleash inside of you and it's going to transcend everything that you can understand and it'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus so in other words when the devil says God doesn't love you you can say I don't know what you've been smoking but I can tell you this that my God loves me my God cares for me my God is good my God is faithful and he'll never leave me nor forsake me Did I just say what you've been smoking from the pulpit? (laughs) 
just who we are. <laughs> Sam, you've, you've invested some things in my life. Thank you. Don't pray things away. Start praying through. Stand with me if you would today. Because when I start asking God, God, I'm not going to let this tear me down anymore. The devil, listen, you listen to me. I'm speaking to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You listen to me. And I'm, I'm speaking directly into this camera for a reason. The devil is trying to tell you that God can't do it. But the same God who brought you this far, the one who died for you, the one who loves you, is the one who's going to give you physical living testimonies. You, listen to me. He's going to give you physical living testimonies. You think it's over. It's not over. God's about to bring a harvest where there seems to be no harvest. God's about to bring them back. I'm talking about children today. I'm talking about your kids. I'm talking about your, your families. I'm talking about a move of God. You think it's written. You think it's done. You don't understand. God's still God. Amen. Somebody said, you don't understand. My kid married that into that sin. But you don't understand. He's still the God today that he was yesterday, today. Whoa. And he'll still be the same God forever and ever and ever. Amen. He's still God. And he still loves you. And they keep cueing this. I think, I think Cliff thinks I need to make this point. So I'm going to take it. You've got to remind yourself of who God is. That he is the one who loves you. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Can I just go ahead and say, and He is the soon coming King. Amen. Come on, give God one more praise today. My hand's going to go in the air because sometimes I just have to preach it myself. I'm facing some geography that I'm not really certain about. Is there anybody that would be honest with me about your geography? Yeah. God, you see our hands. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but you're still God. God, we are gonna, I'm going to ask you to begin to fulfill your promise over these, your children, that as they, without being anxious, without allowing themselves to become emotionally driven by the things of this world. Lord, by not being anxious and emotionally driven, Lord, we, we, in prayer and supplication, we make this petition that, God, you see what that is. Some of you need to put that, you need to fill in the blank. Some of you are going home. Some of you are making changes. Some of you got, you're going through something. Some of you are about to, the, the gavel's coming down on your divorce. Somebody, the, this is happening on your job. Somebody, this is happening in your family. But you need to put that, literally verbalize it. It doesn't matter what is happening in that. God, you are still God, and your promise is peace that transcends anything I could ever even begin to fathom. It's coming in our lives. How many would receive that from the Lord today? Lord, we receive it by faith. With every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. I haven't done this in any of the other services, but I want to ask you today. If you're here today and you don't know what true peace is because you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you're listening to me on Victory or maybe you're watching online or you're watching in another way somehow. This is so important. If you don't know Jesus, this is your moment. This is your time. This is your hour. If you want to know what 
true peace is and you want to experience the love of God for yourself. You never felt loved, lovable before, but today you're willing to believe a preacher who says it doesn't matter what your geography of your world looks like, Jesus still died for you. He still loves you. And you're willing to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. Can I see your hand right where you are? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. Is there one that would hold their hand up high today and say, I want to give you. Thank you, sir. Is there another? Today, I want to give my heart and soul to Jesus Christ. I'm looking around the room. Is there, are there others that will join with these few that have raised their hands today? Thank you. Are there others? This is your moment. This is your time. This is your hour. Yes, sir. Thank you. We're going to pray with these gentlemen in just a moment. Are there others? I'm quickly waiting, watching. Oh, what a message that's been for all of us. That peace passes all understanding. All right, we're going to pray with these. And then this service is going to be a thing of the past uh, as we pray over those that are about to graduate, though. But I want to pray with these that are, uh, uh, have, are going to commit their lives to Christ right now. Somebody prayed it with us. Let's pray it with them. The word says that we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we would be born again. And this love is ours to know. Lift your voices, everyone, these that have raised their hands, along with everyone else. Lift your voices. Let's pray together. Jesus, Jesus. by faith, faith, I confess I I am a sinner sinner. in need of a Savior. Savior. And now by faith, faith, I declare declare Jesus Christ, Christ, the risen Son of God, God, is Lord of my life. I believe From this moment forward, all that I am belongs to God. And now by faith, heaven is my home, God is my Father, and Jesus is my Savior. Amen and amen. Come on, give God a praise. Amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.